the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Friend, in the Bible, Christ gave his life for his church. And Christ is not content until he finds us in the middle of the heart of God. Do you hear me? We are meant to be planted in the heart of God, and Christ is not content until we find our home in him. That's Pastor Michael Oxentenko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, you can call at any time, 24-7, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Someone is standing by right now to take your phone call. We're excited to announce a very special fundraising and thank you dinner taking place this Sunday at 5 p.m. I have details on that coming up a little later on in the broadcast, so please stay tuned. Here now is Pastor Michael Oxentanker with the conclusion to the marriage feast. Today's Reaching Your Heart. So what does the king do when his guests who have already received an invitation will not come to the feast? In verse 4, he calls them again. Now what does that say about the king? Look at Matthew 22, 4. Again he sent other servants saying, Tell those who are invited, Behold, I have made ready my dinner, my oxen, my fat calves are killed, and everything is ready. Come to the marriage feast. There's a lot in this verse. Look at verse 4. It says, Everything is ready. Now think about that. You, know, you ever want to get ready for the coming of the Lord? How many want to be ready for the coming of the Lord? The text says everything is ready. What's not ready is you haven't come. In the book of Revelation, Jesus is knocking on the door of the Laodicean church because what's needed is for Him to come in so they can come to the marriage feast. You see, they keep the door shut because they've got all these other things going, but they don't have Christ on the inside. You see, the prophetic call is that everything is ready. It is a reaffirmation of the apostolic gospel that Christ has finished His work, and in Christ we are complete for the future. The Greek verb here is a perfect verb. Everything has already been prepared. God invites His people at the end of time to a feast that is not based on their achievement. It's not the fruit of their efforts. It's not made ready because they are good or bad. You see, they are not the center of the universe. The King's Son is. It is ready only because He has made it ready. It is ready because He has taken the initiative to make sure that everything is in place for the feast. Friend, the only way to get to the feast is to accept the invitation to come. The response to the invitation is the critical focus of this parable. Look at Matthew 22, verses 5 and 6. But they made light of it. Are you looking at the text with me? They made light of it. And what do they do? What does it say? They went off. And one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his servants, treating them shamefully and killed them. You know, people can come up with all kinds of good excuses not to come to church. Well, there's a birthday party for my family. You know, I don't want to let my family down. Well, let your family down. You come to church. The one you do not need to let down is the king. 
Because He's invited you to come for the sake of His Son. Verse 5 says they made light of it. We can make light of the invitation by minimizing the truths that describe the call. I mean, it's no accident that we are a prophetic people brought into existence on the wings of prophecy, not to point to ourselves, but to point to Jesus for the kingdom faced. And so we are to be believers that believe enough to act upon the call to come, and prophecy is a component of it. Profoundly, There are those who are hostile to the marriage feast, the invitation, who denigrate the prophetic call of the last days. Friends, we cannot afford to be part of a mindset like that. You know, there are forces in our own midst in this country that would have us to believe that we don't need to be teaching the very things I'm sharing with you from the book of Daniel. They think it's old and no longer necessary for the people of God. Do you realize there's only one book in the entire Bible that Jesus Christ said you better know before the second coming of Christ? You know what book that is? It's in Matthew 24:14. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a witness to all nations. Then the end will come. And then in verse 15, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, you know what the text says? Let the reader understand We are to be immersed in the teachings of the prophecies that point to Jesus because we are prophetic people. And that's part of accepting the call. So it's a principle that those who neglect the call to come will in time persecute those who give the call. Now we've been told that a large class who have professed faith in the third angel's message but who have not been sanctified by obedience to the truth As the test of the mark of the beast approaches, they will abandon the ranks of God's people. They have aligned with attitude and heart with the world. And they will become persecutors of the Sabbath-keeping people at the end in the mark of the beast issue. We cannot afford to be a part of that kind of thinking. So they seized their servants, it says, the second time and treated them shamefully and killed them. You know, it's interesting, Revelation 13 says, those who would not worship the beast, it caused them to be killed. Verse 7, the king was angry. He sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. In verse 8, the king focuses on the reality that the first batch of guests will not come as he so much desired. So what do you do when you have an empty wedding feast, when all your efforts seem to have failed? You love your son. You want people to show up. Verse 8, then he said to his servants, the wedding is ready, but those invited were not worthy. What is it, friend, that makes someone worthy for the kingdom feast? Is it your religious pedigree, the... Letters behind your name? Is it social status? Is it some theological philosophy you have? Is it your success? Is it church membership? Maybe the job you have in the church? No, none of this. In this parable, a guest is worthy only because they have responded to the king's call to come to the feast. No other factor is considered in the king's judgment on his guests. I mean, come. If you come, you're worthy. Those who come are worthy because they accept the invitation, which means they honor the king. And those who refuse are not worthy because they don't come. You know, friend, it is our response to the kindness of the king that makes us fit for the feast in the mind of the king. It means we love Jesus. This truth becomes a little clearer in verses 9 and 10. Verse 9, Go therefore to the thoroughfares and invite to the marriage feast. What does the text say? The elect? Does it say the elect? No? What does it say? As many as what? 
Which means you and me, we are to go find these people and bring them to the kingdom of God. As many as you find, bring, you come. The Greek word for street indicates a street that is a main highway on the outside of the city. The city represents those on the inside, obviously. The thoroughfare describes the people who are coming to the city or leaving it. It does not describe people who are static, who naturally live in the city. People on the move. We live in a world where people are coming and going. We are to bring them to Christ. We are to bring them to God. Verse 10. And those servants went out into the streets and gathered all whom they found, both bad and good. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. Now I like the way the Bible says it. They invited all whom they found. How many people have you invited to church lately? What about your neighbors? What about the person that lives next door to you? What about your family members? Have you invited those who are closest to you? What about those who you meet in the workplace? I've said this to you before, and I mean it. I pray for people in public at their place of work. I seek them out to let them know that I'm pastoring them before they ever come here. Has anyone here been a person that I prayed with in a public place and you became a member of this church? Raise your hand. Now, the last call to this planet is an evangelistic call that goes out to every single person who will hear it. No prejudice on God's part. You know, no walls, no barriers. No, it's the truth of the kingdom call. The king invites everyone to the feast because the king loves those who love his son. In the final call to the marriage feast, there is no distinction made between the good and the evil people. You know, he's not looking for perfect people. He's looking for anyone. Good and bad to come to the call. God invites everyone. Verse 11, friend, we have a picture of the final judgment right here. But when the king came in to look at the guests, now look at that verse in your Bible. When you look at the guests, what are you doing? You're inspecting them. This is an investigative judgment. So this heavenly judgment scene is here pictured in parable form. He came in to look at the guests, to inspect them, to see an investigation. And you know, he's not asking for a lot because he invited the good and the bad. He's not picky here. But he is looking for something of vital importance. He saw there a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, friend, he doesn't call him an enemy, he said friend, because God loves everybody. Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. You know, there are people who want to get into God's kingdom who do not want Jesus to be the way they get there. Who want to somehow prove to God that they're good enough to get in. Who want to somehow demonstrate that they're so important that somehow the universe hinges on them and so they don't spend time focusing on the righteousness of Christ. They're there trying to impress God with their righteousness. So they don't have a wedding garment because of this. I went to the Alaska Cruise Line many years ago with my wife and my family in a family reunion. And we can't afford this kind of thing. But if you can go, Alaska Passage is awesome to see those whales and stuff out there in the middle of the ocean. I got seasick. I was awful the whole time. And my wife convinced me. She says, honey, you're going on vacation. Leave your suit at home. I said, really? I always take my suit with me. I'm a preacher. Wherever I go, I take my suit with me. She says, forget it. Well, it just turned out there was a big feast on that cruise liner. And everybody was supposed to dress up in formal or something close to an attire. And all I had was some jeans and a t-shirt. I mean, it was horrific what I was facing here at that time. I said, I don't want to go. She says, you got to go. So I show up, and here's my wife, and she brought a beautiful dress. Her family were there, and I had this t-shirt. I remember the waiter looking at me like, what are you doing here? I says, I'm part of the family. 
But you see, without the right clothing, you don't belong in a marriage feast. It wasn't a marriage feast. It was a family reunion feast. But you get the idea. I will never go on a luxury cruise liner again without my finest suit. More with Pastor Michael Oxentenko in just a moment. First of all, this very important message. If you are in the Washington, D.C. area this Sunday at 5 p.m. July the 21st, Please join us at the Reaching Hearts Church, 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, for our annual radio fundraising event. We want to thank all of our donors with a special dinner and concert featuring vocalist Carla Rivera. Our guest speaker is pastor, author, and global evangelist Mark Finley, who has held hundreds of evangelistic meetings in over 80 countries. You are sure to be inspired with his devotional message. Pastor Michael Oxenzenko will also be there. I'll have more details at the close of our broadcast today, so please stay tuned. Here now, once again, Pastor Michael Oxenzenko. Now, what does this garment represent in Jesus' story? In the context, the garment represents the guest's recognition and acceptance of the king's invitation and preparation. It is the outward evidence that the guests have responded to the call as it was sent by the king. It is a recognition that they are satisfied with the king's invitation. It is a recognition that they are not ashamed of the king's preparation and planning. It is a recognition that they believe the king when he said everything has been made ready. It's a sign of righteousness by faith. Friend, the gift of the garment means that they come to the marriage feast in the king's way and not in their own way. How many of you want to get to heaven any other way than the righteousness of Christ? I don't. How many of you want to get there with Jesus? Raise your hand. That's what it's about. The gift of the garment means that they come to the marriage feast on God's terms, making Christ first and foremost in their life. Jesus based this parable in Isaiah 61.10, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exalt in my God, for He has clothed me with the garments of salvation. You see, we don't put those on ourselves. God gives them to us as a gift. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. We don't have a righteousness. Our righteousness is like rotten rags, but we get a mantle that is perfect because He gives it to us as a bridegroom decks himself with a garland, as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. The text says he has covered me with the garments of righteousness. Not just a little here and there, total righteousness. That means the robe is a gift. It comes from the king. Isaiah says God's gift is the basis for our rejoicing. I'm happy today because of what Jesus did for me. I mean, I am immensely grateful because I messed up in life. I meet perfect people in the church all the time. I am not one of them. They browbeat you. I struggled this week a little bit. A lot. I had a day in which I was praying half the day, Lord, I had a rotten week. Help me. You ever have a rotten week? And then, you know what helped me was someone called me and they reminded me and they weren't even thinking about it, of the gospel. And I said, absolutely. You know, we must rejoice because guess what? It doesn't matter if we have an up or a down, if family members having a hard time or this or that. We have been placed in Christ. We have been covered with a perfect righteousness. We can rejoice. Because of the king, friend, the judgment is no longer some fearful day to dread. It's a glorious marriage. The judgment is a marriage and a celebration of Christ's righteousness and his gift in Jesus. And thus God gives us to Jesus in that heavenly marriage judgment. So what happens to the believer who stands in the judgment without the righteousness of Jesus Christ? Because he disregards the robe that is a gift, because he has this notion that he can perfect himself up enough to be accepted without Jesus. What happens to someone like that? Look at verse 13 and 14. Then the king said to the attendants, Matthew 22, 13 and 14, 
Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him in hand and foot, cast him into the outer darkness. There men will weep and gnash their teeth, for many are called, but a few are chosen. You see, it's hard for our human nature to accept the fact that Jesus is the finished work of God for us. That in Christ we are complete, in Christ we are saved, in Christ we grow, in Christ we are sanctified. You know, the difference between the Reformation and the medieval church was defined at the Council of Trent. The Council of Trent in the 1540s, the medieval church said, you're not accepted until you are sanctified enough to be accepted. And thus they institutionalized the teaching of a raw form of perfectionism to take the place of Christ our righteousness. But when those reformers went to the stake and they died for Christ in the Middle Ages, like the book Great Controversy describes so dramatically, they died for the teaching that Christ had accepted them. And when they came to Christ, they could grow in their atmosphere of acceptance and they were complete in Christ. And thus they went to the flames for Christ. Big difference between the two theologies. Friends, when you love your wife right, you choose her for life in sickness and in health and with lupus too. PJ loved Tracy in just this kind of way. Tracy is 39 years old today, but she was six years old when she was diagnosed with chronic inflammatory disease as a child. I mean, that's a raw rap to get. Tracy had lupus, and her sister had lupus also. And that disease shut Tracy's kidneys down in time for good. You can live for a while without a kidney on a dialysis machine, but there is no sure cure but a new kidney. That's the only way to get over this thing. And it has to be a good match, too. If it's a perfect match, then you can really have good health afterwards. Tracy's sister had lupus, too. And just after Tracy went on the transplant list, her sister got her kidney. And when her sister got the kidney, she died from the complications of the transplant. Both PJ and Tracy knew that it can take seven years to get a kidney. But they also knew you can get the kidney, you can die in the process. And so he was quite concerned for Tracy. Now, PJ was a musician, and there isn't a lot of money in that trade to support a sick wife. But P.J. loved Tracy, his wife, whether she was sick or not. And he had one asset that he could make a difference with for saving her life as he began to think about it. He got the testing, and sure enough, he realized that he was a perfect match for Tracy. He didn't want her to wait seven years because he was afraid he would lose her in the journey. And so to live without her, he would not. Love makes hard things easy, so he made the easy decision to give Tracy his kidney. P.J. made the decision to become the cure for the one he loved by curing her with himself. With a holy resolve, P.J. prepared himself for the operation. And just before it was prime time to give Tracy his kidney, the doctors called him in and said, we've got to call this off. The surgery cannot proceed because your blood pressure is too high. You're overweight. You can't give her that kidney. And he was a perfect match for her. But his blood pressure was so high. So what do you do? When you're overweight and you can't get the thing going, he weighed 265 pounds. They said, you have to lose at least 30 pounds or there will be no new evaluation. So he lost the 30 pounds. He started training to save his wife. And when they tested him, his blood pressure was still far too high. Wasn't good enough. So he went to a different hospital in Georgia and they told him he had to lose another 60 pounds. Finally, he went to Vanderbilt Hospital in Nashville, Tennessee. He had lost 70 pounds training like an athlete. He was a big guy, so he doesn't have to come down to 150. He was right there in the zone, big guy, athletic to save his wife's life. 
He carved away at the excess stuff of himself so he could give the innermost part of himself to Tracy. Vanderbilt Hospital gave him the green light and the operation was set to go. It was a four-hour long surgery for them both. They wore matching hospital clothes with love beaming in their eyes. Romantic surgery, like a date. After the surgery, Tracy told a Fox reporter that her kidney, which was his kidney first, works 100% with efficiency. A great kidney. Today, love for Tracy is not a word or a smile only. Love for her is a gift from a husband who would not let her die. In the end, love for her is a gift that gives life, that gives the innermost part of yourself to that which is sick so the sick can live because she is your wife. Listen, we are wed to Jesus Christ by covenant. Christ went to the cross. We were betrothed at Mount Sinai. At the cross, He pledged Himself. But in the judgment, He will not easily give up those He died for. He will confess our names if we are found in Him one name at a time because in the end, He has the ability to heal us in every way. And so she carried that gift every day inside of her body for the rest of her life. My husband loves me because within me is my husband, that kidney. He gave me life. Ephesians 5.25 Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her that He might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the Word, that He might present the church to Himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Now look at verse 28. Even so, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. That's what we see in Jesus. That's what the marriage judgment is about. Christ loves us as much as He loves Himself because we are in Him, because He has given us Himself. Friends, Jesus is our covenant husband. Jesus left the kingdom of God to save you and me from the inflammatory disease of our personal and corporate sin. He turned his back on the kingdom of heaven. And I don't know what that means. We're going to find out one day so we could find the king again to get to heaven. He took our illness upon himself so we could experience his recovery deep within us. He shared our shame as his shame so we could share his kingdom without shame with him. In Christ, God is with us at every step of our recovery because Jesus is the cure and because the recovery is really about Him. And when you are overcome with guilt, and this we are at times, because we fail Him. That's not what matters to Him. Because He knows we're sick. Jesus is there to overcome the guilt inside you and to forgive you. Why did He die? You see, this judgment at the end of the age is not at odds with the cross. It is the final expression of the cross. When you suffer illness, Jesus suffers with you and for you and as you, and He offers Himself to heal you. When you lose your faith, and that happens from time to time, people lose their faith. Christ is faithful to restore it and you in the journey, and He will not lose you because He is faithful. And when you falter on the way, friend, He never fails, He never falters in His love and commitment to you so you can find the way on the way. In Jesus, the kingdom of God has come because the innermost part of God has been given to us so we can live. We have a Savior. We have a Savior. We have a Savior in the judgment day because of the cross, which was the judgment day. Because Jesus is the cure for every day of our inflammatory lives. Dear heart, there is a kingdom feast 
and the marriage of the Lamb at the end of the age. Come to that feast. The king says come. You know, there's going to be lots of love and joy at the marriage feast when Jesus returns. Why? Because the groom has given us the gift of himself that makes his bride live with joy and peace forever and ever and ever and ever. The marriage of the Lamb. God bless you guys. and Stay close to the Lamb. Dear Heavenly Father, we do not want to live in a kingdom without Jesus. But we want to live forever with Him. To be married to Him as a people forever and ever. Father, there's probably someone here today who has never accepted Jesus as their Savior. And we don't want to leave without giving them a chance to just let you know that they're in. If you're that person and you know in your heart you need the Lord Jesus, you just raise your hand and say, Lord, I claim you right now as Lord. Raise your hand. Lord, you see the hands going up. And you know good and well that that was a sincere decision for you. And Father, you've said if we confess with our lips and believe with our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, we'll be saved. Lord, that person and others who are here, may they confess before others what they have just done before you. And Lord, save them. Thank you for the Savior. Give us this week with him. Give us forever with him to the glory of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening today to Reaching Your Heart. That will conclude the marriage feast, and you can find it online at reachingyourheart.com. If you're in the Washington, D.C. area this Sunday at 5 p.m., July the 21st, please join us at the Reaching Hearts Church, 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, for our annual radio fundraising event. We want to thank all of our donors with a special dinner and concert featuring vocalist Carla Rivera. Our guest speaker is pastor, author, and global evangelist Mark Finley, who has held hundreds of evangelistic meetings in over 80 countries. You are sure to be inspired with his devotional message. If you're a regular listener to the broadcast and would like to meet Pastor Michael Oxentenko, then please join us this Sunday at 5 p.m. at 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, for the event. Please RSVP at reachinghearts.org slash radio dinner. That's reachinghearts.org slash radio dinner. Once again, reachinghearts.org slash radio dinner. And thanks for listening to Reaching Your Heart. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.